we, um, we love our kids just like you love us, Lord. And we know that um, when the word of life, the, the, the word of God becomes alive in the heart of a child, that it can last for a lifetime. It's true for us too. So Lord, light your word up in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today's the 28th, so we're going to just make a drive-by through Proverbs 28, and I'm going to give you verse 9 today, but I'm going to give it to you in two translations, because it's kind of interesting in two translations. Verse 9, if you refuse to obey what you've been taught, your prayers will not be heard. That's pretty direct. Or the, the message version says, God has no use for the prayers of people who won't listen to him. Wow. That tells me that prayers are somehow connected to us listening, not just us talking. I, um, I didn't play um, a lot of um, football in school. I played a little bit. And um, uh, in fact, I, my first time ever was in ninth grade. And uh, my family had lived on the other side of the mountains over in Spokane. And there weren't all these football leagues for little people. Um, there was like I, b- baseball, basketball, yes, but just not a lot of football. So I came to this side of the mountains and... When I was in school, I struck up friends, and all of my friends would do all these sports, and they said, come on, we're going to play football. It's football season now, and so we went to, the, in this junior high that I was attending, come on, you're going you're gonna to come and join the football team. I thought, okay, you take the ball, and you run over there with it. That's the deal, right? So I didn't really, I mean, I'd seen it on TV, and I, I, I just wanted to go play, and it was raining, and it was muddy, and you got to smash stuff. It was a lot of fun, you know? And you didn't, I didn't really understand it. And the coach knew I didn't really know the, the game. So he puts me in the middle of the defensive backfield and just says, run around and smash people. Just run around and knock people down. Just, you know, I thought, that's perfect for me. I can just break stuff and whatever. I'm, I'm not, I, was, I wasn't some great manner of athlete, but I was willing to run around. So I, I remember this. I had this experience, not knowing the rules or how things worked, but I just knew that on defense, my job was to keep them from getting the ball behind me. Can you tell the determination starting to well up in me? I mean, <laughs> my job was to keep them from getting past me with that ball. And just like any junior high or high school, there's always one or two studs on the team. There's a guy that's the, the star of the team. He's the most handsome. The girls all dig him, you know. Well, he happened to be the ball carrier for our team. He was one of these good, good players. And we were on, I just remember this one, the only time I ever remember a single practice in football they were running plays, and I'm on defense, and they hand our star the ball, and he does this and does that, and gets through the whole team, and there's nobody left between the goal line but me. Here he comes, and me. And I didn't know the rules all that well, but I was pretty determined. And he did one of these things, and I went that way, and he fooled me, and as he was going by, I realized he's getting by me. But I noticed right there on the front of his handle, or fr- front of his helmet was this convenient handle. <laughs> And so I reached out and grabbed that handle, twerked on it, and slammed him to the ground. Man, I was proud of myself. Okay, I mean, you could have heard the oxygen suck off of the playground of the football field as I did this to this guy. I mean, I put him down on the ground. (laughs) Pretty proud. I'm thinking, yeah, you're not getting past me. And I could hear the coach and all the players go, oh, as his head snapped around and, and down on the ground he went. Now, I didn't know you can't grab the face mask. I didn't know that if you do that, you could kill the guy or paralyze him. or just It's just dangerous. I didn't know. But that didn't matter. 
all of the sudden, I was the either the most evil, dirty football player ever to walk in that deal, or the stupidest. <laughs> That's it. Those were the two choices. That branded me in that sport. And, <laughs> oh, you think it's funny now, Mike? Yeah, I'm both, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I just, when I realized one of my friends came up and said, you can't do that. I said, you can't do what? You can't grab the face mask. That's wrong. It's illegal. And I looked at this guy, and he kind of started getting up, and all of everything was moving, and I was so glad. I mean, it could have been really bad. It was bad enough. Kind of a funny story. But I look back at that even today, and I'm ashamed. I am just, I'm embarrassed, and I'm grateful that it didn't turn into something that it could have been. And for a long time, that's who I was known as. We've been in a, in a short series that talked, uh, called Getting Past Your Past. And the first uh, week of the series, I talked about the labels that hell and the world wants to put upon us and how we've got to peel those things off. And, and th- these messages are all available online. You can, you can get on the church website and get them free if you haven't heard them. I encourage you to do that. The second week, we talked about, and it, this was, I believe, a healing message for many people. How, how do we, why should we forgive people who have hurt us and have harmed us? The last time we talked on the topic, we talked about, you know, what do we do when we're the person that's hurt somebody else? How do we go about making things right? And then today, I want to talk today about overcoming our personal failures because for so many of us, we've sinned against God and, or we've made some kind of a mistake and we understand that God has forgiven us. We get that. But we're having a hard time sometimes forgiving ourselves, overcoming our own personal failures. And, um, you know, it could be that, you know, we can't get something, get over something in our past that was really major. It, it can be something really, really major, something that we're responsible for. Some, maybe it's something that we've done. Maybe it's something that we've said, and we wish we hadn't said it. And for a lot of us, it can be difficult to get past our own past. We know God's forgiven us. We just have a hard time forgiving ourselves. And I don't know what that might be for you, but some of you, you know, maybe, maybe some of you have had a really difficult time at some point getting past your sexual past. Maybe... You did something at some point that seemed at the time fun and it seemed right. And now years later, there's some baggage and some guilt. And, and, you know, and it could even be affecting your marriage today. And you think to yourself, I wish I hadn't done that. And, or maybe for some of you, it's a, there's some kind of a reoccurring sin. You know, it's something that you do, and then you think, okay, I, that's it. I'm going to stop that. And you pray, Lord, forgive me, and the Lord forgives you. And, and you say, that's it. Not, I'll never do that again. And you go a week, or maybe you go two weeks, or you go three weeks, and there it is again. And you fall into it, and then you just feel this big, huge weight. And you just, just can't seem to shake that off. Or maybe you said something to somebody that you love. And maybe you even felt it at the time. And now you realize you can't just unsay that thing. And now it's hurting, you know, your intimacy in that relationship. You know, some of, some of us, maybe we've made a bad decision somewhere in our past and it's starting to catch up. And now you regret it. You hate it. You're just not quite sure what to do. Some people have maybe betrayed a spouse. 
And years later, here we are years later, and the spouse is forgiven, and the kids have forgiven, your kids have forgiven, and maybe, and, and you know God has forgiven you, but you just can't forgive yourself. And there's this aching, this, just this sense, you just can't seem to get over it. I mean, I know people that have been divorced, and um, they still feel this sense of guilt from the past. They think, if I just tried a little bit harder, if I'd just done this, or if I'd just done that, I wouldn't be in this place. And other people say, well, if I'd been a better parent... And on and on it goes. And a lot of people feel just like David did when he wrote this psalm, Psalm 38. And he says in verse 4, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And I've talked to people who've said to me, Well, I want to be able to pray with people at church. I just don't feel worthy. Or I want to have a good marriage. But after all I've done, I don't deserve, I'll never have a good marriage. What's happening? to these people in these circumstances. You know, what's going on there? What's going on is their past continues to trail along behind them. So today, here's some, one thing I, w- I hope that everybody here will at some point, this will get into our woof and our fabric, and that's this. Every saint, every great person of God, every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. Every saint that God uses has a past, that the power of God has helped them to overcome. And every sinner, and that includes you, has a future by the power of God through Christ. And I believe that God wants to help every one of us overcome our past. I think there are way, 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 way too many people living in the past, living somehow in the grip of failure, in the grip of mistakes, a series of things. The what if this, what if that, and it's time to start getting past it. So how do we do that? Well, I want to just spend a few minutes today and talk about three ways to get past our failures. First, first, first understanding is this. Your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Your biggest sins are not too big, and they've never been too big for God's grace. I've been a follower of Jesus for, I think, probably 37 39 years? That's a good mother. She knows when her son made the turn. You know, and um, I just know, just I've watched people over that time, just watched so many people that just seem consumed by guilt. You know, and as a pastor, I've had this this, um, unusual opportunity at times to sit with somebody and listen to a literal deathbed confession. Several times. I've had people say, hey, you got to talk about something. And they'll talk about something that was 47 years ago. And they've walked with the Lord for decades, and they've walked, but they're still carrying the weight of some thing, some small, some huge. But they're still carrying these things that just, just keep going, laboring under the weight to breathe. This, they, can't, they can't just seem to forgive. Guilt is not from God, and it's never been from God. We have, you and I have a very, very real spiritual enemy that, that wants us to continually tread water in an ocean of guilt. You get that picture? I mean, just that's what, that's what hell wants. And guilt will paralyze action. It will actually stop you from doing things. And, you, and people, sometimes guilt will make them think, you know, I'm never going to get over this, so why should I even try? And it also breeds self-hatred. It just... You know, the more we stew in our mistakes, the more we loathe ourselves. And, and uh, the Bible talks about that, and it has, there's something else the Bible talks about. It's called conviction. It's completely different than condemnation and, and guilt. 
Um, conviction of the Holy Spirit is so, 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 so different because of what it produces in us is a changed life. Um, and we've got this really powerful verse, and it's a conditional verse, and First John says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful. Meaning he will always do this. He's faithful. If we confess our sins, he will always do this thing that's going to say... And he is always faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Every bit of it. All. It says it right there. You see that? All. Wipe us completely clean from all unrighteousness. He's going to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So this last week, Apple had a big, huge announcement. They got a new iPad, a new iPad mini, and then the little known, I got an co- advanced hot copy of one, the iPad Etch. admittedly low tech certainly less expensive now if you've never seen one of these before the way it works is there's this magic screen okay and um, you turn these knobs and one knob goes sideways and the other knob goes up and down so it's pretty good if you want to make a rectangle if you want to try and do like a triangle it's a challenge it's really a challenge Circles are impossible. I mean, I mean, I can remember as a little boy with these thinking, okay, and I started all the way over in the corner, and it went up, a little tiny bit over, down, a little tiny bit up, up, and I tried to clear the entire thing off so I could see how it worked, right? Anybody else there ever do that? Oh, you're sick. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, you, you start drawing something like a little house or a choo-choo train or something, these things are impossible, and I just, in, 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 invariably, it just was make a mistake. It wouldn't work. So what you do is you take it and you shake it. You couldn't see it back there, but the lines are gone that I just drew. They're completely gone. Thank you, Apple. That's nice. (laughs) Shake it. I make a mistake. Completely gone. Nice, clean slate. Start all over again. That's your present for coming to church today. (laughs) Yeah, you can take that to school and show it off to all your friends. (laughs) So when you make a mistake, when you shake it, it gets clean. And that is exactly what God does for you and for me. Exactly. Don't answer this. Don't answer this out loud, but what's what's on your Etch-A-Sketch? Is it anger? Is it rage? Is it resentment? Some kind of hurt? Some kind of bitterness? Is it betrayal? Is it unfaithfulness? You know, what's on yours? Is it the word liar? Maybe adultery? Is it you're envious of other people and their stuff? Maybe it's a, you know, abortion? The Bible says God is faithful and just and forgive all of those sins, but he doesn't just stop there. Jeremiah 31, I love this verse. 31, 34, he says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The all-powerful God, the ever-present God, makes a choice of his will to limit his memory forever. Do you realize that is a... Wow! I'm excited about that. I'm (laughs) You don't know all my, I mean, beyond the, the ha- face mask. I mean, I am so glad 
God makes an intentional choice of his will to take that out of his memory and put it away forever. If we want to get past the things that continually haunt us in our past, we have to remember that there's no sin that will that, w- that you will commit or that you ever have committed that is too big for God's grace. Second item. You are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. You're not what you've done. It doesn't define you. Your identity isn't in it. You are the very product and you are the very identity of what God has breathed over your life. And that's what defines you. You know, Satan tries really hard to pr- get us to personalize our sins and, uh, and accept the, our sins as our identity. You know, God says that you are sons and daughters. And you're defined, you, God says you're defined by your relationship with him. God says that you are the qualities that he intentionally built into you while you were in your mother's womb, Psalm 139. That's who God says you are. He defines you based on your relationship with him and what he built into you at the beginning of time. But Satan wants you to adopt a different label where your failures and your acts become your name. So that we think this is a fine, fine nuance here, but he, instead, of, he, instead of thinking, I've committed adultery, we think instead, I'm an adulterer. Instead of thinking, I took some things that didn't belong to me, we think, I'm a thief. And we take those labels on, but here's, here's something that you should know. Sin is never... Never ever a person. Sin is an event. It's never ever a person. And I just pray, you know, my prayer in preparation for today is that those of you that are still chained up to your past somehow, to your mistakes, that by the power of God, you will begin to see how the Lord in heaven sees you today. Here's how I think he sees you. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, anyone, which includes you, right? You're part of anyone, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Now, that scripture could really be bad news for you if you don't know Jesus and he doesn't know you. Because maybe, you know, there may be people that are hearing this message either here in the room or on recording that are just kind of kicking the tires of this whole Jesus and faith thing. And so you're pretty confident that you're not a follower of Jesus you're just, you know, you're just not too sure about this. The bad news is that you are then defined by your sin. Because outside the cross of Christ, we have nothing, nothing to hope for. We're literally a prisoner of our sin. Galatians 3.22 says, But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by receiving and believing in Jesus Christ. Only by believing in Jesus Christ. And I think that some people are hearing this, that will hear this message, um, you know, they will hear this, this moment, the spirit of the voice of God speaking to their heart. And maybe their heart's going to start racing a little bit and, and um, you know, knowing that you have not been in relationship with God, that, um, that this is time to do something about this. And anyone who puts their faith in Christ for the first time, here's a scripture that talks about you, what, ha- what happens there, 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Now, I want to take just a minute here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but this is too important to to blow past without giving opportunity. If you have never 
made the decision to make Christ your Lord, and you'd like to have your sin stop defining you, and your heavenly future start defining you immediately, now's the time to open your heart to the Lord Jesus. The scripture says that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. If you've never opened your heart to the Lord, and you want to do that right now, I want to pray with you. So everybody close your eyes for just a moment. And uh, that's all I'm going to do is just pray with anybody. I'll just do it as a group. And, and if you want to open your heart to the Lord, just quickly look up at me. Make sure I see you. Okay. Good. Lord, um, you see who has looked. Thank you, Lord, for that. Your word promises us that we become a new creature. Thank you for canceling one eternal destiny and assigning a new one that's heaven and with you. Lord, fill this life, these lives, Lord, with your presence. Speak to them and guide them. Cover them, bless them. Adopt them into your family, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I found this, this quote by this guy who wrote this book that was real popular in the 70s, and his name was Richard Bach, but he says this, what the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls a butterfly. Great picture. And that's a picture of God's grace working in a life. I mean, really experiencing forgiveness and freedom, and then God begins to change a new life. And at the same time that the Spirit of God begins convicting us, speaking to us about areas of our life that he'd like to shape, Here's what the Bible says is true about me. I'm adopted by God into the family. Ephesians 1. I'm blessed when I go in and blessed when I go out. That's Deuteronomy 28. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. That's Revelation 12. I'm free because Jesus set me free. Romans 8. The same power that raised Christ from the grave lives in me and helps me become an overcomer. Romans 8. That's all true about me, and that's who I am. And the same thing's true about you if you know him. Praise God. You're not what you've done, it doesn't define you. Your sin is not too big for God's grace, and you're an overcomer, and you're free in Christ. Okay, the third, third point is this you cannot change your past but Christ can change your future. Let's start with the past for just a minute. The past is never going to come back. It's not going to change. I, um, when I first got my driver's license, I was an inexperienced driver, obviously, and I, was, I don't think I'd had it for more than a month, and I was driving in, um, in a residential area. And I came around this corner, and have you ever been driving your car, even at a slow residential speed, and you saw a dog in a yard barking, bark, 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 bark? And as you approached, the dog started running, bark, 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 bark. And you could see, if, it was a, if you had a bird's eye view, you could see the dog was creating this arc. And the dog was heading for the car, heading for your car. So I'm driving along, and this dog, bark, 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 close, close, closer. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, uh-oh. Now, I, I like dogs. So, you know, I, last thing I want to do is squash a dog. I mean, it's a big deal. I lost a dog that was run over by a car when I was a young guy. It, just, it was hard, hard on my heart. I just broke my heart. I don't want to be the guy driving the car. And I can still remember um, th- what I did. I mean, car, dogs running out fast, little dog, you know, probably about that big. And I just took my foot off the gas, but I didn't steer at all. I just kind of took my foot off the gas, started slowing down as quickly as I could. But pretty soon the dog disappeared. I couldn't see it from my peripheral vision anymore. And then, you know, 
two of those. Oh. And my heart just went, oh. And I looked out, and standing right by the roadside in front of this yard is a little girl who I'd say was six or seven, maybe, you know? <laughs> okay, so how can this story get worse? That's what happens. Can't remember the dog's name, so I'll just insert Spot. Oh, Spot, oh, Spot, don't die, don't die. The little girl's saying that. <laughs> oh, man. I'm still hurting over this story. I mean, I just, don't die, don't die. And now I've, you know, after the kathump, kathump, you, you can't just keep driving. I wanted to go crawl into a hole, pulled my car over. I'm thinking, a mom's going to come out or a dad or somebody's going to come out yelling and screaming at me. I mean, I really, it was an accident. I tried not to hurt it. But the dog came running out. I couldn't, you know. And um, so I got out, and here's this little pile of fur. It was heartbreaking. It broke my heart. And, and this little girl, I mean, she's, don't die, don't die. And I walked up, and I'd heard her say the name of the dog, and I looked at it, and the dog was gone. You know, it was dead. And uh, um, she said, fix him. <laughs> fix him. I'm going to need prayer when I get through this story. <laughs> and I just turned to her and I said, Honey, Spot's not coming back. He's gone. I'm so sorry. And instantaneously, she was matter of fact, Oh. And then she mentioned her sister, but you know, my, my sister Mary is going to cry. And she just literally pushed the dog into the ditch with her foot. (laughs) But I remember saying to her the words, your dog's not going to come back. Your dog is gone. I'm sorry, but it's gone. That little girl accepted that. I mean, I know that afterwards there was probably emotions and probably I don't know what happened because um, you, you just can't change the past. Even the past 30 seconds, you can't change them. It's gone. So maybe for you, somebody molested you. And that's a tragedy beyond a tragedy. It's, it's, you know, it's painful beyond words. But you can't change what happened to you. You can't change it. Or maybe you lost your marriage and the only thing you cared about in life was having a happy marriage and you're in agony because you lost the one thing that you really cared about and I ache with you. But you can't change the past. Or maybe you were young and you did something that you you shouldn't have done and somewhere along the line and and you ended up getting pregnant, and then you decided the solution was to take the life of your child, and you regret it all the time. And my heart breaks with you, and I believe if that's you, your baby is in heaven today. I just settled on that. And you can't change what's happened. Or maybe you said something you shouldn't have said, or you did something that you shouldn't have done, and you can't change it. But I'm telling you, 
that the power of Christ can be with you. And every single saint has a past and every single sinner has a future through the power of the risen Christ. Whenever your spiritual enemy wants to remind you of your past, you know, I love this, you just remind him of his future. And greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. First John. I can't change what's happened. It's gone. It's over. But we serve a good God with whom all things are possible. Scripture says that he works in all things, even the bad things. He works in all things to those who love and are, and are called according to his will. He works in those things. Romans eight twenty eight. I love how Paul said in Philippians 3, he says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Everybody say forgetting the past. One more time, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. I press on and I forget the past. Christ can do more through you than you can really even imagine. Every single saint has a past and every sinner has a future. So if the past is following you, forget it. (laughs) Forget it. Here's what forgetting means in the Greek word from this passage. I'll read these to you. Here's what forgetting means. To treat with thoughtless inattention. To willfully neglect. To leave behind intentionally. To banish from one's thoughts. To disregard on purpose. To cease remembering. Some of you, your spiritual enemy has been hurting you with your past. You treat it with thoughtless inattention. You willfully neglect that label. You need to intentionally leave it behind you. You need to banish your thoughts from that. Disregard what other people's ill opinion is of you and cease remembering that which you need to let go and that Christ is forgiven. Because I'm telling you right now, you are not who other people say you are. You are not who hell tells you that you are. And that there is no sin too great for God's grace. You can't change the past, but by the power of our risen Lord Jesus, Christ can and will change your future. Let's pray. Let's pray.